Oh, yeah. It's the weekend. It's Friday. Welcome to the Alex B. Podcast. I think we've all survived the communication crisis. That's what I'm calling it. Communication crisis of yesterday with all these cell phone carriers going out and internet going out and everything else. But everybody's just going to talk about Trump and his gold fucking shoes, man. Like, that's really what you guys want to focus on? Does anybody... I don't try to be a conspiracy theorist by any stretch. But can anybody explain why all these networks and stuff went out yesterday? Is it a cyber attack? Is it just, you know, maybe, you know, our folks, uh, our pals in North Korea or our pals in Russia trying to see how they can fucking disable the communication system across our country? I don't know. It just seems a little weird. But everybody's like focusing on Trump's gold shoes and him raising money for his legal fees and such. But you don't want to know something for everybody. And again, everybody knows I'm not Democrat nor Republican. I'm in the middle. I throw it out there. I see what sticks. But for everybody that hates Trump so much and that that post about these gold shoes and he's a crook and he's that, what is the fucking backup plan to run against him, either Republican to get the nom or Democrat? What's the backup plan? Put somebody in front of us that we can have some faith in, and maybe you might skew the opinions of people that are like, you know, the diehard Trump pants. Because I've said this before, what's in the office now? Ain't that, ain't, that ain't working. So what is the backup plan? It's always easy, and I, and I say this about the internet, even in stuff in general, when people want to be keyboard warriors and talk shit or whatever, it's always easy to say this is wrong and that's wrong and bitch about something, but what, what's the, what's the solution? I'm not saying you have to have a solution, but what's the suggestion of a solution if y'all don't want Trump running for office again and getting elected? What is the Democratic solution? Does anybody in the Republican Party want to step up? I don't know. Who cares about the fucking gold shoes? Who cares? I'm more caring. I'm more worried about, again, all these cell phone carriers that were out yesterday and all this crazy stuff and nobody can really like, you know, they're going to blame it on solar flares and some shit that we're not going to be able to verify because it's not like we're up in the fucking galaxy or whatever. It just seems a little weird. All right. That's my, that's my kind of, I, I call this like my pre-rant before I get into cruise the news and everything else, because it's just, it's mind blowing to me when you open up the internet. Oh, he's a crook. He's this, he's that, he's that. Hey man, how are, were you able to check your, your Facebook and your text messages successfully without any interruptions yesterday before you were talking shit? That's what I thought. Now I can't record an episode on a Friday night without playing. Johnny Kemp just got paid, right?
guys be cool. Man, what a great song. I remember rocking that in the club, and I was sitting I sound like this old man. Man, I remember when I played that back in the club. Back at Bob Bay Bicycle Club. Or back at Ditka's or whatever. Like, that was, like, way before when. All right. Before I get on my cruise of news and stuff, I got a little, I, I call it, like, a little mini rant or random rant or whatever. So yesterday, me and my buddy Joe, been friends for a gazillion years, it seems like, once a month, when his schedule allows... We usually meet downtown in St. Louis for lunch, you know, talk about the old times, crack jokes, and just relive some of the stuff that we really can't talk about in public because, you know, statute limitations, whatever. And we always go to Hooters because, you know, the food's good. It's it's easy. You know, it's easy parking because God knows there's nobody fucking hanging out at Keener Plaza anymore. And and it's easy for me to get back on the, the highway to get back to work. So I'm driving into the city yesterday. And he calls me up. He goes, man, Hooters is closed. And I thought he was fucking with me because he knows I like the Hooters. He's like, closed? What do you mean closed, bro? He goes, yeah, man, there's a sign on the door that says closed. I go, like, for good or just temporarily or, or what? So he said they're closed. I'm like, well, fuck. Where do we go? Now, I have been to this place, not Hooters, the place I'm about to talk about many a times when I lived. You got to remember, I've lived in the area. Two other times before. Once when I worked at Lynn Dickey's at Union Station. The second time when I worked at Walter Payne's at Union Station. And now, out there in Collinsville at the track. Cybergs never lets me down. The food is incredible. Now, a little bit pricey, but it's good. Service is quick. Right there on Market Street. Right down the street from Union Station. Easy parking. The parking is kind of funky because they're like in a hotel you know, hotel parking lot. But let me tell you something. The food was good. So shout out to Cybergs. If you know anybody that works at the Cybergs on Market in downtown STL, tell them we will be back. And if they can cut your boy a price on the um, on the wings, that'd be cool. So then Hooters on their, on their social media said, hey, we're back open. Come down. And they posted this like at fucking 11 o'clock in the morning. So then I posted underneath. I said, no, you're not. Because me and my dude tried to go there for lunch. And no bueno. And then this lady posted underneath there and said, yeah, we just tried. No answer. So I don't know what's going on. I hope there's not closed, but you know that's a funky part of town. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really weird. You know, St. Louis, downtown St. Louis has these pockets where some areas are really, really cool. And then you go like a block up the road and it's fucking no man's land. And Keener Plaza, I remember, again, back in the 90s was the shit. That's where they would have like the, you know, the Cardinals rallies back when the other Bush Stadium was open. And now it's like, it, it's, it's kind of scary. Not so much in the daytime, but again, they always, they never let us down. The food's always good there and everything, so I don't know what's going on. So if I find out, if you happen to give a fuck, I'll find out what's going on. And uh, yeah, maybe we can find out what's going on. Maybe I'll try to call them during the podcast. I'll like, try to record and say, hey, man, what gives? And get an explanation from them. Because, you know, a lot of times these restaurants, you know, people don't show up for work. You know, so they got to close, lack of staff, or they have limited service or limited offerings because of lack of staff. But then there's some restaurants that have never had that problem because during the whole pandemic and everything, they've take care, they took care of their staff. A couple of restaurants that come to mind, uh, fucking uh, Regal Beagle in Godfrey. They've never, they've never had any downtime or closed anything crazy. Max and Alton that I, that I recall, I'm not saying they haven't. But that I recall. But there's other places, you know, and staffing something else, man. People want to make a, a ton of money. And I understand that. People want a, a livable wage. But then when you're on your day off and you want to spend some of that livable wage, just remember all the prices went up everywhere. So 
there's a trade-off for that. So anyway, that's what I wanted to get into. But again, shout out to Cybergs on Market downtown St. Louis. Yes, I'm going to keep plugging them, but maybe somebody associated with them will hear it and say, hey, man, why don't you come out here and do your podcast and we'll feed you. I could be like the impromptu food critic because God knows my fat ass loves to eat. Okay, time to do Cruise the News. All aboard! How many times have I said this with you people with guns? I carry a gun myself. You can't shoot people that aren't breaking in, that aren't in your house and causing you immediate danger. You can't do that. Somebody's breaking in your car, you can't shoot them. Somebody's in your yard, you can't shoot them. Somebody's trying to take off with your barbecue pit, you can't shoot them. And you definitely can't kill them, but this Texas homeowner thought he could. A Texas homeowner chased down and shot dead an alleged thief who stole a barbecue pit from his property over the weekend. According to authorities, the uh, deadly confrontation took place this past Sunday in the city of Humble, where an unidentified man attempted to drive off with a barbecue pit. So it must have been like one of them, maybe like the ones you tow behind this shit or something. I don't know. Leading the homeowner to pursue them in his own vehicle. Harris County Sheriff's Department said in a series of social media posts, the owner caught up with the accused thief and his passenger a short distance from the house where he got out of his car and approached the pair. You know, and that's when you say, hey, man. Give me back my grill, bro. But, but, this is where it gets murky. The homeowner, who, quote, was fearing for his safety, fired off several rounds towards the suspect because he thought his counterpart was reaching for a firearm. Well, yes, they stole your grill. They shouldn't have stole your grill. But you walked up on him. Now, whether it's right or wrong or indifferent, what do you expect him to do? Anyway, the alleged thief, unfortunately, was pronounced dead at the scene. The other individual who was with the deceased man, was not hit by gunfire and is not facing any charges. Uh, the homeowner did cooperate with investigators, provided a detailed statement about the incident. Once the investigation is complete, the case will be turned over to the Harris County District Attorney's Office for presentation to a grand jury. So my question is, did was, was there an actual gun displayed? You know, he could have been reaching to hide his weed. He could have been reaching to scratch his nuts. You don't know. And you just can't chase people. I don't know what the laws are in different states. You can't do that. Like when you see stuff when people go, oh, I saw somebody on my porch, man. I saw him on the ring cam. I'm going to shoot him. You got to wait for them to try to get in the house. I know that sounds bad, but it's got to be that immediate threat, man. And somebody walking through your yard or walking up and even being a porch pirate, you can't fucking kill him. You can't. Stop it. But... Here's where you can do that. And again, I hate to talk about like negative shit, but this is where you have homeowner one, criminal zero. In Central West End this past Wednesday, a suspect was shot and killed early Wednesday morning during a home invasion in the Central West End. According to the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department, the break-in happened just before 4 a.m. Could you imagine four o'clock in the morning, man, you're fucking snoozing, you're out. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, you hear somebody, uh, it was at uh, in the 5,000 block of Westminster Place, just blocks away from Forest Park. And I lived out in Forest Park, the Bolivar area, back in the day. I loved it out there. Police said a man broke into the home and the homeowner shot him. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The homicide division assuming the ongoing investigation. So you're in somebody's house, man. I'm sorry. I don't. I think it's open and shut, right? Now, the barbecue grill guy, that might be a little tougher to try to beat. But somebody's in your crib at 4 o'clock in the morning ain't supposed to be and they broke in broke an entry it's not like they were invited it's not like they had keys to the house man no sorry i know it sounds bad man lights out boom 
That's it. I love that song, man. Gary Newman, Cars. I might have to play the entire song on the next break. What a great song. In Savannah, Georgia, which, by the way, side note, Savannah, Georgia is really cool for ghost hunting and doing ghost tours and stuff. Been to Hilton Head uh, a couple times, and it's a short drive, and Savannah's got a lot of rich history. So if you can ever get out there for a vacation, I definitely recommend it. Now, but if you live in Savannah and try to buy a car off Carvana, you could be getting it towed. Why? Why? Because the police towed his car saying it was stolen. Adrian Kirkland's brother posted a TikTok that went viral after Savannah police took interest in the 2017 Corvette Kirkland bought from Carvana. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was being pranked. Within hours of picking up his car from Carvana, it was gone. Police ran his temporary tags and told Kirkland the car had been reported stolen in Florida and had to be towed. Man, that's some bullshit. Could you imagine? You just bought this car, Corvette too. 2017 Corvette's probably a pretty badass ride. How did it pass the insurance? Like, how did this stuff happen? How did it get past the registration with the DMB? Like, how did it go wrong? How did somebody botch this up? How did Carvana botch this up to sell this guy a stolen car? Nearly half a million people have watched the TikTok about Kirkland's traumatic experience, including folks at Carvana who acted quickly to resolve the situation. They offered to uh, find him a new Corvette and provide compensation for the experience. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you'd have to give me half off. It'd have to be fucking 50% off my next purchase. Put me through some shit like that, especially if it was like his dream car. You know what I mean? In a statement, Carvana said Kirkland is a victim of, quote, sophisticated fraud. And they're working with him and police to make the situation right, including fully refunding his purchase. Well, of course you're going to refund his purchase, you dumb fucks. You sold him a stolen car. Despite Carvana's efforts, Kirkland says it should have never happened. And he's right, man. A billion-dollar corporation. And y'all are selling people stolen cars like you're one of them buy here, pay here lots like fucking J.D. Byrider back at Indy. The fuck? Police said they'll continue to hold the car while the investigation continues. Whether you like it or not, Alex will be back right after this.
You're listening to the Alex B. Podcast. Connect with the podcast on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The username, all one word, the Alex B. Podcast. Tallahassee, Florida. This is weird. This is what I call government overreach. In Tallahassee, Florida, a bill to create one of the nation's most restrictive bans on minors' use of social media is heading to Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' desk, who has expressed concerns about the legislation to keep children under the age of 16 off popular platforms regardless of parental approval. First of all, that's bullshit. Let the parents parent. Now, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I Listen to this, man. The House bill passed 108 to 7 on Thursday, hours before the Senate approved it 23 to 14. The Senate made changes to the original House bill, which Republican Speaker Paul Renner said he hopes will address DeSantis' questions about privacy. How do you do that? How do you let, how do you basically, your kids, let's say a kid gets straight A's in school, man. He's an upstanding kid. And his mom and dad let him have TikTok, let him have social media, and it's monitored. Now you, the government, are going to step in and tell him what's right or wrong? Now, fuck that, man. It's bad enough you got fucking people like fucking stating that abortions are legal, not legal, and everything else. Now you got this shit? No. The bill targets any social media site that tracks user activity, allows children to upload material and interact with others, and uses addictive features designed to cause excessive or compulsive use. Supporters point to rising suicide rates, which, again, that has to be addressed, cyberbullying, and predators' use among... So... Based on those facts and some of those things that are issues, the cyberbullying especially, and 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 the people that are like you know talking to people that might not be in the best headspace, I can see that. I I don't know if you ban it all. I just I don't know how you control it. I'll be honest with you. I, I think it is a little bit of a government overreach. I do. I know those are legitimate problems in cyberspace with kids and and those using social media. I don't know. Oh, man. So it says, we're talking about a business that are using addictive features to engage in mass manipulation of our children to cause them harm, said the bill's Senate sponsor, Republican Aaron Grawl. Other states have considered similar legislation, but most have not proposed a total ban. That seems kind of steep, man. A total ban? I can see regulations and checkpoints in place. And maybe the internet. Man, I don't know. That's a very dicey topic. I guess. Uh, In Arkansas, a federal judge blocked enforcement of a law in August that required parental consent for minors to create new social media accounts. Supporters in Florida hope that if the bill becomes law, it would withstand legal challenges because it would ban, um, you know, ban social media for these these kids and stuff. So a lady by the name of Angela Perry, a mother from Central Florida, said she understands the rationale behind the bill and that she and her husband didn't let their daughter onto any major platforms until she turned 15, but she believes it should be up to the parent to make that decision based on the maturity of their children. And then it says, whatever happened to parental rights? You're already selecting books the kids can read at school, okay, which is fine to a certain extent. So now you're going into their private life, what they're doing at the house, and then tell them what they can and cannot do. Uh, the Florida bill would require social media companies to close any accounts that believes to be used by minors and to cancel accounts of the request of minor or parents. Any information pertaining to the account must also be deleted. Man, I don't know. I think that's a little bit government overreach, but who am I? 
All right, let's go to Indiana, Greenfield, Indiana, which is right outside of New Pal where I lived before coming to this area. This is fucked up, man. These two dudes, listen to this. This is why I think sometimes things get dicey and cops might lie. Uh, two men from California are facing felony drug charges after a state trooper in Greenfield found nearly 200 pounds of cocaine hidden in onion boxes while searching the back of their semi-truck. Jose Perez, age 66, and Miguel Rodriguez, 60, both of California. I would definitely, you know, make sure they're... I won't get into the whatever. Anyway, our charge of possession and of dealing in cocaine. The charges are level two and level three, uh, level three felonies, respectively. The two were arrested this past Sunday after an Indiana State trooper noticed their semi-truck driving suspiciously along I-70 in Greenfield. I don't know what suspiciously means exactly. But anyway... According to ISP, a trooper patrolling I-70 near Mount Comfort Road. That's the road I used to take to go home when I worked downtown. Anyway, the semi was heading eastbound. It caught his attention, resulting in the semi being pulled over. While inspecting the semi, ISP said the trooper noticed a logbook violation. Uh Uh-oh. That prompted further investigation. The trooper said he noticed criminal indicators that led him to ask for permission to search the semi which the driver reportedly granted. Now, if you knew you had 200 pounds of Coke, why the fuck are you? Did you really think the onion boxes were going to hide that shit? But anyway, the driver said, yeah, you can search my truck. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, no, you weren't. Uh, the trooper allegedly found dozens of packages. He's expected to be cocaine hidden inside boxes of onions, amongst other produce in the trailer. The substance later confirmed to be cocaine weighing 184 pounds total. Now, part of me thinks it was probably 200 pounds and somebody skimmed some off the top, but, you know, I'm not saying that happened, but, yeah, busted, man. 185 pounds of Coke. I don't know what the street value is of that shit, but, uh, you know, if they're, if they're doing, like, a cartel run, those fuckers are doomed. Can't do that. All right, since we're talking about things and suspicious things getting pulled over, man, this is really interesting. Police search a car. This is out of Washington, of all places. Uh, police search a car and find cocaine and a U.S. Army rocket launcher? A police detective says he was unnerved to find a U.S. Army rocket launcher along with crack cocaine when searching a suspicious truck in central Massachusetts. Detective Alex Sinai from the Sutton Police Department told the Associated Press uh, yesterday, Wednesday, or day before yesterday, I should say, that his first concern after finding the M190 launcher under the backseat of the truck was for everybody's safety. Now, how did this motherfucker get a fucking rocket launcher? See? You guys are talking about basic gun control, man. These motherfuckers have got rocket launchers in their cars. Uh, once we were able to determine it was unloaded, we secured it, and then we searched the rest of the vehicle to make sure there was no explosives or rockets or anything crazy like that. So as they were searching it, of course, they found some crack. Uh, he asked the driver how he got his hands on it, and uh, he really couldn't get a straight answer. Uh, wow, man. So how they, how they got busted, I guess. The truck was parked outside of a Red Roof Inn in Sutton, about 50 miles southwest of Boston, and the detective decided to search it after watching the driver sitting in the vehicle for about 30 minutes. And he thought it was a bit weird that the driver was parked to the side of the hotel facing away from the rooms for so long that he hadn't gone inside the main hotel entrance because he was probably waiting for somebody to pick up this said rocket launcher. They should have waited to see if anybody showed up because they probably could have got a bigger bust out of that. But anyway, when he went over to talk to the driver, he said he spotted some drug paraphernalia 
they detained the man, searched the truck. They found the rocket launcher hidden among some clothing beneath the back seat. After doing some research on what to do with the rocket launcher, police said they contacted the FBI and then the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobaccos, and Firearms and Explosives to get rid of it or to, to secure it safely. Again, this dude, it sounds like he was going to get ready to sell it to somebody, supply it to somebody. So I think there's a bigger picture there that people aren't able to paint. And nobody just walking around a motherfucking rocket launcher in their car. Come on now. All right. Before I get ready to wrap this podcast up, and I'm, I'm pretty close just because, you know, some of these crazy stories, you got to have something that's really bizarre. And why not in Kentucky of all places, Verona, Kentucky, a gas station bathroom turned to a wedding venue for a couple as they exchanged their I do's. Tiana and Logan Abney knew the men's bathroom inside the hop shops in Verona, Kentucky was the perfect wedding venue for them. I wanted to something a little different, explained the the, uh, the missus. Didn't want to get married in a typical chapel because probably didn't have the money. Uh, didn't want to go to a church because you're probably a sinner. And uh, she wanted something fun to tell my kids. I don't know if that's fun. Hey, man, where'd your mom and dad get married at? In the fucking bathroom. She was like the hop shop at the hop shop. And I was like, man, that doesn't seem too bad. So anyway, now just so people know that the hop shops do not have any old ordinary bathroom. With the push of a button, it transforms into a disco-centric scene. So it's like George Michael and shit playing in the background and shit. Like, what the fuck's going on there? I think you're setting up for people up for some... Oh, boy. Anyway, they got a button in every hop shop. You just push it and the disco lights come on and the music plays. And I think that's when people start hopping in stalls and... Ugh, whatever. Anyway... That feature was enough for Logan Abney to get on board. I always heard it doesn't matter where you get married as long as it's just the person you're with. Surrounded by family, friends, coworkers, and customers, 23-year-old Tiana Abney walked down the slushy aisle on Valentine's Day. Ah, man. Seeing her in her wedding dress, she looked beautiful, said Logan. It was just an emotional day. Uh, By the power vested me through the state of Kentucky, Hop Shop's employee, David Beardy, pronounced the couple husband and wife. Right after Logan and Tiana Abney had their first kiss as husband and wife, the lights turned off and the disco lights came on and the couple shared their first dance to Forever and Ever Amen by Randy Travis. Now, some could say they got married in the bathroom because once you get married, your fucking your life goes down the fucking toilet. That could be another view, I guess. You know, as my dad would say, it's fucking lunacy. All right, it's late when I'm recording this. It's Friday night. This is enough lunacy for one episode. I'm going to bed. I'll holler at you soon. Remember the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, occasionally TikTok, the Alex B Podcast. I'm out. Thanks for listening, downloading, sharing, et cetera, et cetera. Bye.